Welcome to David Gogo's Soul Bender podcast. A journey through the blues as seen through the hazy recollections from a life on the road. Oh yeah, from somewhere in the semi-tamed wilderness of Vancouver Island, I'm Scott James. Up there in his mountaintop castle, which is full of bats and guitars, is David Gogo. If you have a question for us, email soulbenderpodcast at gmail.com or fire up the microphone on Anchor and toss a recording to us. We'll do some answering on future episodes. And let's chat about Beck, baby. No, not that Beck. We're talking about the seven-time Grammy winner who's played on albums by Rod Stewart, Mick Jagger, Tina Turner, Morrissey, Donovan, Diana Ross, John Bon Jovi, Malcolm McLaren, Kate Bush, Roger Waters, Stevie Wonder, Les Paul, Cindy Lauper, Brian May, Roger Taylor, Stanley Clark, Screaming Lord Such, ZZ Top, and Toots and the Maytals. And I'm sure I've missed a few. Mr. Gogo, why are we talking about the two-time Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Jeff Beck? Well, you know, in my estimation, Jimi Hendrix was the greatest rock guitar player to ever live, you know. But he's been gone for a long time, and I, I, I really believe that the greatest living rock guitar player, um, which is kind of a, just a pretty small label for that guy, but it's Jeff Beck. Jeff Beck's the best guitar player. He just is. And it's crazy. He's 76 years old, and he's still the best, and he's getting better. Every time I hear him, every time I see him, it's bananas. I mean, he's just so amazing. So had to do an episode, and... Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to meet him a couple times, which we will talk about later. But he's one of the, the guitar players that I kind of got into um, not as quickly as the other, especially British guitar players. I mean, there's the big three, I've mentioned this before, of British guitar players, which is Eric Clapton, Jimmy Page, and Jeff Beck. Uh, to the lay person, you know, most people know who Eric Clapton is. A lot of people know who Jimmy Page is. They certainly know Led Zeppelin. Jeff Beck, maybe not as much, even though he's had a lot of success. And he's, but he's, he's, he's just such an amazing player. So the kooky thing is, like I say, like, you know, I got into Cream Heavy when I was, when I was young and then Led Zeppelin. Um, but I did listen to the Yardbirds. So I guess we can start with the Yardbirds when we talk about Jeff Beck. Because uh, the Yardbirds, at one point or another, actually had all three of those guys in the band. Clapton was there on his own. Jeff Beck was on his own. Uh, Jimmy Page eventually came in to play bass guitar, and then him and Jeff Beck just briefly were were both lead guitar players in the band, but there's not a whole lot of stuff that was recorded with that, I don't think. But that being said, you know, the Yardbirds were cool. It was one of those 60s British bands that were really into blues. You know, they were doing some Billy Boy Boy Arnold songs and... uh, all sorts of stuff. And I, and I dug it, you know, as a kid. And they kind of made it maybe a little more accessible as they kind of would, would speed the tempos up and had that energy. Um, but at the time, Eric Clapton was, you know, just getting started. He was a real blues purist, whereas the other guys were kind of looking at some of their contemporaries, like the Rolling Stones or the Kinks, who started playing almost exclusively blues, but then they started writing their own songs and getting hit singles. And I think the Yardbirds wanted in on that action. Uh, Eric Clapton, not so much. The Yardbirds weren't really songwriters, but they had other people approaching them with songs that they started to record, and they started to get some hits, get some chart action. So, you know, 
it's good for the career. Uh, Eric was not into that. Um, they released For Your Love, was one of their first big hits, and Eric quit. He just wasn't into it. He just wanted to play blues. <clears throat> so they were looking for a replacement, and apparently they um, first approached Jimmy Page, who at that time, this is pre-Led Zeppelin, was very busy as a session guitarist, uh, just playing in recording studios, being hired a hired gun, you know, for all these amazing recordings. But he recommended Jeff Beck, who he had met as a teenager. I believe it was Jeff Beck's sister somehow knew about Jimmy Page. And, you know, at that time it was unique in England for young guys to be pursuing guitar, especially like rock and roll guitar. And so she introduced the two of them. <clears throat> they kind of hit it off. Um, that being said, that those three guitar players in the Yardbirds, in, in my opinion, it was the Jeff Beck songs and Jeff Beck era of the Yardbirds that was the most impactful. Um, I'm thinking songs like Heart Full of Soul with uh, that guitar riff. You know, um, apparently the, the Yardbirds, when they went to record that song, they had the idea of hiring a, a, an Indian musician, like India, and um, in fact they did. But Indian music is much different from North American and European music in terms of what scales they use and, and modes and everything. So I guess they couldn't quite uh, connect with this musician, this Indian musician that they had hired. But Jeff Beck had kind of come up with a, a kind of a unique way of playing the guitar and using vibrato and using these certain scales and made it sound kind of Indian, kind of, you know, kind of uh, exotic and came up with these tones and this this riff. Um same with the, another great tune of the Arbors, Over and Under, Sideways Down, with uh, So it was very, um, very cool. He really put his stamp on the Arbors, so much so that uh, Jimi Hendrix, I guess we're going to have to do a Jimi Hendrix episode of this podcast at one point, um, Chaz Chandler, who was the bass player in The Animals, um, got into rock and roll management and was told about Jimi Hendrix and went and saw him play in New York. So Chaz, when he first signed Jimmy, said, you know, I really want to take you to the UK and um, that'll be our base of operations. He said to Jimmy, do you mind? And Jimmy said, do I get to meet Jeff Beck? I mean, that was his thing. Because, you know, Hendrix was discovering these guitar tones through overdrive and through volume and through feedback. But he's hearing these records where Jeff Beck's doing it. And he's like, who is this guy? I got to meet this guy. And I'll talk a little more about Hendrix uh, and Jeff Beck a little bit later. So Jeff Beck must have had some pretty good success with the Yardbirds. Well, yeah. And they, I think that's the first time that he went over to North America was with the Yardbirds. And they were getting some some notoriety over there and getting some airplay. But at the time, apparently Jeff Beck was a fairly moody guy. And um, there were certain gigs where he would just walk off stage. There were certain gigs he just wouldn't show up. And so it really caused some problems, so much so that um, they kind of wanted to get rid of him. You know, they, not, they just kind of figured he wasn't worth it. He was too much of a pain in the ass. So um, I think it was kind of, you know, both sides agreed that he should just move on. Yeah, so Jeff Beck was gone. What was next for him? Well, I guess it finally occurred to him that he wanted to do his thing. He didn't want to just be listening to other people all the time and being told what to do. So he thought, well, I've got to form my own band. Now, the problem was, was he was not a vocalist. That being said, he has 
had vocals on a couple songs. And in fact, one of them, there was a producer named Mickey Most over in England that produced a lot of hits. more of a pop pop producer, even though he produced the first Jeff Beck album, um, or Jeff Beck group album. But he got Jeff to record a song called Hi-Ho Silver Lining, which was kind of just a silly pop song, but it became a huge hit, especially in the UK. And in fact, it's been re-released over the decades and become a hit over and over again. And it's been featured in films and everything else. It's one of those songs when people leave the pub at closing time, they all sing together, you know, one of those strange hits. But, you know, if, if you'd listen to Jeff Beck now, you'd never know it was Jeff Beck. It kind of could have been anyone, but it must have, at the time, you know, got him some fame and, you know, got him, maybe made him a little bit of cash. And But it, it was not happening. So, so what Jeff Beck realizes, you know, I got to get a hot singer in the band. So the original Jeff Beck group featured an unknown singer who was very good, went by the name of Rod Stewart. <laughs> And he had Ronnie Wood on bass. So, of course, Ronnie later with the Faces and then uh, the Rolling Stones. But he was playing bass at the time, not guitar. And uh, Mickey Waller was the drummer. They had Ainsley Dunbar on drums for a while, too. They kind of went back and forth. I loved Mickey Waller's drumming. He was a uh, real cool uh, groove and a real good feel. He went on to play on the Rod Stewart Every Picture Tells a Story album, which, you know, all like Maggie May and the title track, and they, they do that version of... I, I'm losing you. Great groove. Anyways, so that was the thing. So they started to rock. Well, it was a kick-ass band. And Jeff kind of decided, you know, what songs are going to play and how are they going to do it? Because the other guys were real rookies at the time. Neophytes. I love that term. I had a neophyte once. I was in hospital for two weeks. Uh, so what happened next? Well, they recorded a, a, a record called Truth as the Jeff Beck group. Pretty cool record. A lot of good blues on there, and then, but some some unusual choices too, which kind of it, it was it, that's what Jeff Beck's about. He's he's about you know never resting on his laurels, never finding a, a comfort spot, staying there. He's always pushing the envelope. So there was some interesting uh, material, but it was kick ass, and it, it got the attention of um, you know kind of the rock and roll audience, and got them over to North America for the first time, or second, I guess, for Jeff, first time for the other boys, but. Um, what happened was there was confusion because Rod Stewart is this really bitchin' singer out front singing. Jeff Beck's this really bitchin' guitar player, but, you know, he's not the singer. So there was some confusion in North America, not only with the audience, and but the rock and roll press and, and even the record company, where they'd come backstage. All they know is there's this band called the Jeff Beck Group. So they'd walk up to Rod Stewart after the concert. They'd say to Rod, they go, Jeff amazing performance you've got a great band especially the guitar player he's really outstanding so i guess that would piss jeff beck off because he's i'm i'm fucking jeff beck you know um so i guess it caused some tension and you know jeff was already kind of a moody guy back then uh but eventually they made another record called beckola with a different drummer um and they also added the the wonderful nicky hopkins on piano nicky was just one of these special, special musicians that was just, there was no one better on the instrument. He, you know, he, he played with the Rolling Stones. In fact, I think the Stones even asked him to join the band at one point. He played with the Stones. He played with the Beatles. He was the top session guy in England. So they had him with, with, with on, on the Beckola album. It's just outstanding. There's a song called uh, Rice Pudding off there that it's just, it's so good. You got to check it out. 
So the funny thing was, though, they, they just weren't getting along, so Jeff kind of shut it down. Now, another guitar player who was not a vocalist was Jimmy Page, as I mentioned before, and I think he was watching what Jeff was doing. So he decided, I'm going to form a band like that. With a, so we got this great unknown singer named Robert Plant and this great unknown bass player <laughs> named John Paul Jones. Well, John Paul Jones was, was a, a session player. In fact, I think that's where the, the, the Jimmy Page thing might have come out, where John Paul Jones, I think, played a little bit of bass on the Truth album for the Jeff Beck group um, and then found this unknown great drummer named John Bonham and formed a band called The Led Zeppelin. And I think that Jeff Beck was a little pissed off because they obviously became fairly successful, you know, um, more so than the Jeff Beck group, even though it's kind of based on the same. I think Jeff Beck group actually did You Shook Me, this old blues song, which Led Zeppelin recorded as well. So, you know, kind of, it was you know, the old friends, but maybe old rivals there. Hey, you crickets, keep it down. We're broadcasting here. Uh, what happened next with Jeff? Well, the next few projects he did was was kind of, in you know, along the lines of um, what he was already doing, but with new musicians. But he'd always have kind of a wailing vocalist. Because you got to remember the early 70s, you know, you're, you're talking about bands like Free, which later, you know, kind of turned into Bad Company, Humble Pie, like all the people filling the arenas in North America were rocking boogie blues units. So um, they did another record just called The Jeff Beck Group, which was produced by the amazing Mr. Steve Cropper, a uh, vocalist named Bob Tench. But the the lineups would always change. They'd always change. Um, still successful, but not quite where he wanted to be. And where did he want to be? Well, I think maybe he realized, like, if you want to be the guy on the poster, if you want to be the, you know, the name of the act, you've got to be featured more. Um, so he made the unusual choice of just getting into instrumental music, which was a pretty ballsy move. Um, I mean, there was some of that stuff going on. I think he listened to Mahavishnu Orchestra and stuff like that, but it was a pretty big, I, I would say it would be a gamble at the time, but the interesting thing was he chose as producer uh, Mr. George Martin, who, of course produced just about every Beatles record there was. So George is a very respected producer and arranger and musician. And he obviously must have appreciated Jeff's talent. So they went and did a record called Blow by Blow, all instrumental, kind of, you might call it jazz fusion. I don't really. I think it's rock with some jazz uh, influence. I mean, they were using different time signatures and definitely very progressive I don't know if fusion is the right term, but anyways, whatever it was, it sold platinum, you know, sold millions of copies. Uh, actually went to number four on the Billboard music charge, which is so crazy, you know, for an instrumental album. But finally it showed Jeff Beck being Jeff Beck and showing him at his best. So it was great. And from around that era, if you might want to look on YouTube, there's a great video I mean, it's funny that George Martin produced a record. They they covered a Beatles song, uh, She's a Woman. There's a great instrumental version of She's a Woman on YouTube. And um, yeah, just punch it in. Look for She's a Woman Live. But it's one where Jeff Beck's playing this uh, oxblood co uh, colored Les Paul. And it's such an amazing performance. It just shows him. And, you know, he's just really found his thing at that time. So we're going to play a song of yours which has a, a Jeff Beck connection. What's that all about? Well, I was trying to think of, you know, a song of mine that were, were, were Jeff Beck influenced. And 
In a couple of ways, he did here. And like I say, it wasn't until later that I really got into him, but I've really been digging him, especially in the last 10 years or so. And just, you know, everything he puts out, I grab and any DVD. Uh, 17 Vultures is, number one, it's in a different time signature. I think it's six, eight time. I don't know. I'm not one of those uh, scholars when it comes to music. But it's a, it's a different beat for me. It's a different kind of structure. But I actually used my Jeff Beck model Fender Stratocaster guitar on it. And I really tried to think of uh, the phrasing that uh, Jeff, if Jeff Beck had played on the track, you know. Um, and it's funny because I haven't played a Fender Stratocaster for a few years now. I'm mostly playing Les Pauls. But this one I had to use um, the Jeff Beck Strat, which is autographed by Jeff Beck. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, yeah, so this is trying to, me trying to do one of my best Jeff Beck impersonations.
there it is, the title track from the 17 Vultures album from David Gogo. How many times have you seen Jeff Beck? I think I've seen him in concert four different times. Um, the first time was pretty crazy. I was only about 14 years old. Um, it was in Vancouver. Now, here's a funny thing. is you know Him and Rod Stewart would, had done some recording later. Um, I know that this is before this. I, I think they did um, People Get Ready, the great Curtis Mayfield song. But at this point, um, Rod had put a record out, and Jeff was featured on guitar. So they hadn't been hanging out for a long time, but they were glad to see each other, I guess. So they decided to do this tour. And somewhere I've got the T-shirt, Rod and Jeff, you know, together again or something. Now, the problem was, was Jeff, or, uh, you know, at this point, Jeff was kind of, you know, this instrumental guy. Rod Stewart became this huge pop star. So it wasn't quite like the old days. So I remember I was 14 or whatever I was at the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver. And, you know, Rod Stewart came out and sang a bunch of his big hits at first. And then they brought Jeff Beck out to feature on the new single. Um, I think it was, was it Passion? I can't remember. I think it was. Anyways, also Jeff Beck jumps. I'm like, yeah, and he's just rocking. But then they gave Jeff his own feature spot. Well, after like one or two songs... Most of the audience was kind of disinterested because Rod had left the stage and it's just Jeff, you know, playing amazing music. But these people are like, what is this? You know, it's mostly, you know, um, young girls. They're there to see Rod Stewart. And after about two songs, Jeff, you can just tell he's, you know, by his body language, he's kind of pissed off and not interested. And he grabs a microphone and starts saying, what's my name? Not in a Ringo Starr way where Ringo is just happy. Hey, what's my name? Peace and love, peace and love. It's like, what's, like, do you even know my fucking name? Is kind of what it comes out as. <clears throat> so there's me and like four other dudes with long hair yelling, Jeff back, Jeff back, Jeff back. But um, I can't remember if it was the next day or like a couple, within a couple gigs, Jeff just quit the tour. He just walked. So that whole thing, I mean, I think Vancouver might have been the first date or one of, one of the earliest dates of that tour. And he just fucking walked, man. That was it. <laughs> well, when you got to go, you got to go. When did you first meet him? Yeah, so yeah, I've, I've seen Jeff. That was the first time I saw him, I think, at the Ottawa Blues Festival. That was the third time. But the second time I saw him play uh, was at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. And it was, um, I think the record was called Who Else? He just put it out. And I, I, it was great because he didn't do a whole lot of touring in the 80s. He was mostly just kind of recording and guesting on other people's albums. And I would have loved to have seen him. But I think the only opportunity I ever had um, was that Rod Stewart show. So anyway, he's just going to play the Queen Elizabeth Theatre. Great. Well, oh my God. Especially, um, you know, I had some really wicked seats. And, you know, it's a great theater anyways. It's not really too many bad seats in that building, but um, I was blown away. So when the lights came on after the show, after the encore, I was just—I was—I kind of felt like Rain Man or something. I'm just sitting there going, "Yep, yep, yep, that was good. That was good. Yep," because he absolutely blew my tits off. Like I just couldn't believe how good it was. Uh, so much so that I was sitting there just stunned, and a young guy came up and recognized me. And asked for my autograph, and I, I almost said no, because I thought, why would you want my autograph after watching this motherfucker, right? But um, I finally got up, and as I'm going to leave, uh, Mr. Patrick Zulinov, who's a great man, uh, worked in uh, was working with Jeff Beck's record company at the time, 
recognized me. Oh, you know, we knew each other. And said, hey, are you here alone? I said, yeah. He goes, what do you think of the show? I said, well, I'm blown away, right? He says, you want to meet Jeff? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So because it was just me, uh, Patrick got me backstage. It was fantastic. I remember Steve Newton was there from the Georgia Strait and a couple folks. And it was one of the rare times in my life where I was I was just like tongue-tied, you know. Um, it's like meeting Guy Lafleur for the first time or something. But the coolest thing is I remember, I remember Jeff Beck came out to meet, you know, the small meet and greet. And uh, in his hands, in one hand, he had a flute of champagne, which he held by the stem, rightfully so. And the other hand was a Sharpie felt pen to sign autographs for people. And um, it, it was just fantastic. And, and I'll, I'll post a picture. So luckily, there was a photographer there and just took a casual picture where Jeff comes up to talk to me. And I'm like pontificating. I can't believe it because I... I I hardly remember what I said because I was, I was just so flabbergasted by his performance. But the the photograph is great because it looks like he's really interested in whatever horseshit I'm saying. <laughs> and uh, the second time you met him, well, you know, this is a was a long time later, and um, oh god, probably you know, ten years later or something. So it was an interesting thing. I had just done a, a, a kind of a Western Canadian tour opening for Johnny Winter which I believe was 13 shows or something, ended up in Winnipeg. Um, and I kind of had to deadhead it back home um, at a certain amount of days, but I knew that Jeff Beck was playing. So I had pulled whatever strings I had left in the music industry with my connections uh, to get a couple tickets. I wanted to take uh, my, my buddy Rick Salt, who uh, I've done most of my albums with. He's an engineer, and recording engineer, and produces the records with me, but also a fine guitar player. But he never goes anywhere. He never does anything. So I thought, i got to take Rick to go see Jeff. You know, I was trying to think, who can I go see Jeff back with that, that will appreciate it? You know, It's not really something you take a date to. But um, So I managed to get us. You know, I, I said to them, I'll pay for the tickets, but I just want to get – I want to make sure we got really good tickets. So I was driving back from Winnipeg, stopped in a few places to see people. But on the way back, they had just released um, – a box set of Jimi Hendrix. It was Jimi Hendrix Live at Winterland. It was like five or four or five CDs or something. There was a great record store in Winnipeg called Into the Music, I think it was called. I think they might be closed now, which is a bummer. But anyways, that's kind of all I listened to, driving back, you know, for the three days or whatever it took, or four days. And it was crazy because, you know, it's Jimi Hendrix, man, <laughs> you know, live, and it's all the stuff we've never heard. And, and, and it's just so raw, but so good. And, um, oh, and the other thing I'd picked up at the same record store, um, a 45, like a single, a vinyl single of the Yardbirds' Heart Full of Soul. But it was neat because on the flip side of Heart Full of Soul, Soul was an instrumental um, called, was it called Steel Guitar Blues or Steel Blues, something like that. But anyways, I thought, I'm going to go see Jeff Beck. Maybe he'd want this because I know it wasn't the original pressing of Heart Full of Soul because back then in the music business, um, managers and record companies and everything, they, they would try to rip you off any way they could. So quite often, if they knew a song was going to be a hit, they'd put a, a song a song on the B side, on the flip side, that they had some kind of an interest in, some kind of a, a fake songwriting credit or a publishing credit. Um, and I think that's what, it, when Heart Full of Soul first came out, that's what they did. But then... The, the Yardbirds demanded that they have one of their own songs. Anyway, something like that. So I picked it up. 
So by the time I got to Vancouver, I picked up Rick at the ferry, and I brought with me, even though I was playing acoustic guitar with the Johnny Winter Tour, I brought with me my Jeff Beck model Stratocaster. So it was a cool... Um, it was one of those guitars where I, you know, I didn't really need another Stratocaster. But I picked it up in the in the guitar store, and it just spoke to me before I even plugged it in. It was just, you know, acoustically felt so good. Um, but I and I've been playing it quite a bit, so I didn't request to meet Jeff Beck. But when I showed up to get the tickets, the people that had scored me the tickets they were part of the promotion company, and um, I asked. I said, you know. Do you think you could get this guitar signed for me? Like, we'll pick it up after the show, but, you know, just leave it. Because people do that. You know, it's a Jeff Beck model guitar, and yeah. So I dropped it off, and then I got a text or a phone call soon afterwards, and it said, hey, Jeff Beck wants to meet you, so you and your friend can come back after the show. I thought, what? What the hell? How did How did this happen, you know? But what it was was... I had been playing this guitar. It wasn't like I just bought it and then wanted Jeff Beck to sign it and then hang it on a wall, which people do, or they put it on eBay or whatever. But I'd been playing the shit out of this thing, so it was missing a volume knob. It has a couple of, you know, cracks in the paint job. I stuck a sticker of a nude woman that I I bought this sticker in Berlin one time of this it was kind of like, like a classic 60s-looking nude woman, and that was slapped on the guitar. You know, it, it it had been played. And I guess that's what piqued Jeff Beck's interest was, hey, this guy actually plays this fucking thing. So he wanted to know what I thought of the guitar. Fantastic. So we go backstage and he's very cool. Like he talks to, you know, there's certain people. And so they, you know, if it's you and a friend and you, you kind of, you don't really line up, but he knows to talk to people and you get your five minutes or whatever, Jeff Beck. But he all of a sudden got really chatty. And that's the thing was, I kind of remember this from the first time meeting him, but I was so starstruck that he's 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 a very funny person, um, you know, self-effacing. You know, they just he's, he's cool. He's a cool guy, you know. He's just a dude. Um, so he really wanted to know about the guitar. And well, first of all, he signed on the thighs of this new nude woman. She's kind of like on her knees doing a pose, you know, arching her back, you know, and. But he, so he'd signed to to David on one thigh and then Jeff Beck and he said, I felt it was the most supple place I could sign it. But he really wanted to know what I thought of the guitar. He says, you know, you obviously you play this thing, you know. I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we started chatting and he goes, Well, what do you you know, what are you doing? Who are you? I said, Oh, I just finished the tour, you know, with, with Johnny Winter, thirteen dates. So he's like, Oh yeah. I said, Man, I've been looking forward to the show. I said, I've been driving for three days and I just got this Hendrix box set, Winterland. And he looks at me and he goes, Oh fuck. He says, I'm still to this day trying to figure out how he did it. So it's so cool. You're talking to Jeff Beck, who's a guy that, you know, you're idolizing. But we're both big, big fans of Hendrix and trying to figure out how he did that, you know. So uh, like a dummy, I had somehow forgot to bring the 45 of Heartful of Soul. But I told Jeff, I said, oh, shit, I meant to bring you this original Heartful of Soul Yardbird CD. And he looks at me right away and goes, what was on the flip side? I told him, Steel Guitar Blues or Steel Blues, whatever it's called. And he looks, he goes, what were the songwriting credits? And I said, Keith, Ralph, Jeff Beck. Because the original B-side was credited, credited to their manager, Giorgio Gamelski, or whatever his name is. <laughs> but Keith, Ralph was the singer from the Yardbirds. 
So he looks, Jeff Beck looks at me and he goes, Keith, Ralph, it's a fucking instrumental. How could he have a fucking songwriting credit? And so it was hilarious. So like, we were just really getting along. And I remember right around that time, it was just me and my buddy Rick talking to Jeff Beck. And all of a sudden, one of the guys he'd already talked to came in and tried to like, butt, butt into the conversation. And Jeff just looks at him and goes, you know, um, we already had our time to chat. I'm talking to these lads now, which was so cool. But he was just... He he liked it that that we were musicians and and, and obviously musicians that you know of some merit, um, so it was fantastic. I mean, it was it was just really great, you know, to have that, and, and we got a nice photo taken after that as well. And uh, you know, it's so great when 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 you kind of appreciate someone so much and look forward to the music, and then they end up being a, a, just a fucking cool person. Any Jeff Beck recommendations for the uninitiated? Wow, there's so many things. Um, He's become really productive in the last decade or so, which is great because, like I mentioned, the '80s and that he was he was kind of just guesting on other people's stuff. There's a ton of live DVDs; they're also good. Um, live at Ronnie Scott's, in particular, you have to check out. Um, it's filmed so well and recorded so well. The band is Jeff Beck, Vinnie Colaiuta on drums, Tal Wilkenfield on bass, and uh, um, Jason Ribello. Oh, I'm saying his name right. Rabayo, I don't know, um, on keyboards. So it was, it's just, it's a really special DVD. It, it's, it's so amazing. And it's great because they'll, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a fairly small club where they decided to record, but they'll flash through the crowd and you know, Jimmy Page is sitting one night and Robert Plant's there because they filmed over a couple nights. And Eric Clapton comes out at the end too, which I got to give kudos to Eric to come out and just say, yeah, I'm going to play guitar with you. Um, and there's a song, I think it was originally on, on Jeff Beck's Guitar Shop album, but if you check out live versions of a song called Where Were You? And it will show you the uniqueness of Jeff Beck, just his complete, absolute control of the instrument, his tone, his technique. I mean, he started with, like, like all of us, playing with a guitar pick, a plectrum. But in the last, say, 20 years or so, he's mostly just played with fingers. He didn't, doesn't use a guitar pick. There might be one song a night or something that he does that. But this particular song, Where Were You? I've watched several versions on YouTube and stuff, and I, and I own the DVDs. Uh, but it just shows its absolute mastery of the instrument. Cool. Well, thanks for being at our beck and call and uh, start thinking about some Hendrix stories for us. Looking forward to that. If you have questions for us, send them to soulbenderpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also record your own bad voice or your good voice by firing up the microphone on Anchor. I'm Scott James. He's David Gogo. Thanks a lot. We love you. This has been David Gogo's Soulbender Podcast. To stay up to date, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Hey.